Good morning and welcome to the Real Real Estate Show on WTBQ Radio Worth Listening To. I'm your host, Grace Warren, here with Janine Witt. I'm sorry, with Christine Koenig and our special guest, Janine Wadeson, today. Good morning. Good morning. How's everyone doing today? Tired after the Fabulous. Apple Fest. Yes. Yes. Exciting I was gonna, day. I was going to say, is everyone recovering well after <laughs> yesterday's uh, big festivities here in Warwick? I hope so. I mean, um, my sister-in-law called me. She passed me on the way in here. And she's like, what's that smell in town? I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. It's probably the remnants of some food truck or something. I have no idea what that is. But there was a lot of people here. I don't know if there's an official count yet. I know. That's an interesting side effect to Apple Fest. What, this, the, the, um, the next day smell? Yeah. <laughs> That's the first time I ever heard. I didn't smell it. She said it to me. It was funny. That's a new one. <laughs> so it was pretty busy yesterday. Yeah. We had our booth set up over there. And uh, everything that we did was for charity, making strides. For breast cancer, mm-hmm. and we did pretty well. I'm not sure what our grand total was, but it was it was fun. Christine spent the day painting rocks with kids. Yes, that was nice. a great fundraiser. I thought that uh, for for relatively little effort, we were able to raise a good amount of money. So yeah, and the nice. kids great. seemed to love it. They did. They, they, they did. The it. parents not so much because <laughs> <laughs> we're getting paint on their clothes. Right? I know. I would I would have this. Uh, I would say to them like, okay, everyone, just remember. It's permanent rock paint, moms. That means it's permanent shirt paint. Yeah. So I must have said that, I, I think, probably a thousand times right. yesterday. <laughs> it's fun, though. That's fun stuff for them. Um, you know, especially it's hard for the little kids to see anything. They're so tiny and there were so many people. And, you know, it's it's I can remember when my kids were little. It's kind of terrifying yeah, as a parent. A little overwhelming. You know, be. I'm mm-hmm. afraid that my, you know, I was afraid that. My kid would just wander off. I had a kid that would wander off. Stepped so. on, yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> that's what I think about. And your daughter performed yesterday, right? They both did, yes. Oh, both With, of them uh, did. The Acting Out Playhouse, yes. They performed at Railroad Green. Um, we kind of heard them because okay. we were right next to that, but yeah. we couldn't you know, see from where we yeah, were. They did, some, uh, they did some numbers from the shows they did over the summer, which were uh, Godspell. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, now they've uh, now that the fall semester has started, they're starting to work on their upcoming shows. Uh, the teen group is doing In the Heights, which will be oh, okay. put on in uh, in February up at Ock. Oh, cool! Um, and then the younger group are doing a show called Dear Edwina. So what's that about? It is uh, it's sort of a coming of age story about a 13 year old girl who is sort of going through all the things that we went through as 13 year old girls. Okay. Um, she runs an advice column, and it's just about uh, you know dealing with kids and dealing with school, and uh, you that's know, cute. Yeah, good message. You know that's that good. if everybody works together and cooperates, things will work out. So, yeah. So, in case anybody doesn't know who Janine Wadeson is, she is a wonderful attorney here in the village of Warwick, and she works for you can Lucine Shapiro, Rich and Barone. Mm-hmm. And she's also one of our village justices, right? Or the only the one. The village, yes. The village correct. justice yes. here. We're only big enough for one. We do have an acting justice for when I am unable to hear cases due to conflicts and that type of thing. But yes. So yes, she's very prestigious around here. And I'm happy to well, say that I've known her for years. Don't know about that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but she's going to be here today to talk to us about representation in a real estate transaction. 
Yep. So how long have you been focused on real estate? And is that like, so what areas do you cover? Let's talk a little bit about your Real estate is primarily my, uh, what I do. Um, I have been in practice. I uh, graduated law school in 1995. So... I have officially crossed over into the 20 plus year range, which always sounded, you know, people who did that. Yes, right. And you thought, wow, people are so old who've been practicing 20 years, but uh, perspective changes. You don't look old. Well, thank you. (laughs) Um, So, um, yeah, residential real estate is um, the bulk of my practice. Um, I personally also handle small business matters, buy, sells, you know, incorporations, um, wills, uh, you know, that type of thing. Estate planning? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. That's all interesting stuff, right? Yeah. So as a uh, as a real estate agent, you know, we are working with our buyers. We're working with our sellers. And the time comes where we've got an offer and we have the conversation that goes like this. This is great. We've done our inspections. And I'm like, who are we using for a lawyer? <laughs> right? And, uh, you know, that's that's when we start to work with, with our people right. to say, you know, here are some... Are, you know, are you familiar? Do you have a lawyer? We always ask first, mm-hmm. do you have a lawyer you're going to work with? Um, and if they say, no, you know, I don't have a real estate lawyer in the area, you know, we always give a couple different names. Right. Um, so what advice would you give to, say, a buyer or a seller when they're looking for um, a lawyer? What should mm-hmm. they, what kind of, what should they be looking for or asking? Um, well, I've, you know, the, the part, the process of purchasing and selling or selling a home um, is such a personal emotional thing, which I'm sure I don't really need to tell you. (laughs) Yes. Um, I find that probably 30% of what I do, and I'm guessing probably 70% of what you do is sort of on the personal counseling level, you know, sort of trying to talk people off the ledge frequently. Right. Um, So, uh, you know, there are many good attorneys uh, in and around Warwick. Um, Everybody has their own different style. Um, You know, I, I think that primarily that initial contact that a client has with an attorney um, really should tell them a lot. They, you know, they should get a sense of, um, you know, how the attorney will treat them, um, how responsive will the attorney be, what kind of relationship will they have. And, you know, it's a very important personal relationship, just like realtors have, you know, with your clients. So basically, um, they need to click with whoever it is. They need to click. And I think, I I really think a lot of it comes down to just that gut feeling Mm -hmm. of, um, you know, am I going to be able to work with this person? Is this someone who's going to be responsive to my needs and sort of understand me? Yeah, Yeah, different personalities click with different people. And, you know, you have to be able to, um, you know, feel comfortable with the person that you're working with. Exactly. And that goes Mm -hmm. for you, too. Like, you need to be able to feel comfortable with the the client. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Have you ever had a call come in and you're just like, ooh, I don't know that I'm going to be able to work with this person? Or is it, or, you know... I mean, um, I always say with mm-hmm. real estate, it's in, you know our first one or two times out, right? It's an interview process. Yes, they're it's interviewing like for both of us. You know, you have and to sort of get a sense parties. of people. Yeah. Exactly, right, right, right. So mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I, I, as a lawyer, I'm sure you have different legal obligations. Like, mm-hmm. um, are if someone comes to you and say, "I want to hire you," are you required to work with them or? No, absolutely not. And uh, you know. Um, like I said, I mean, it, it, it is, uh, you know, a, a give and take, you know, between right. attorney and client. I mean, there are times when, um, you know, clients can have unreasonable expectations. Um, you know, um, I think that probably is one of the biggest issues, right. um, you know, uh, 
you know, as an attorney, if, you know, if I'm in a closing with a client, a closing can take up to three hours, depending on, as you all, as you know, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so there have been times where I will get an email, you know, during the night from a prospective client. And then the next morning, if I'm in a closing for three hours and that client has called, several times, you know, th- that sort of to me says, well, you know, yes, it's urgent, obviously, you know, I'm gonna get back to them as soon as you can, but, you know, and I, I did actually have to say to a client once, well, you know, I was I was in a closing with someone and they sort of said that that was not an acceptable reason for not responding not to problem, them right? Right, <laughs> quickly. And I said, well, so then when I'm sitting with you at your closing, how will you feel if I keep stepping away to take other phone calls and talk to right. other clients? And they sort of said, oh, okay. So, um, you know, and like I said, and I think um, a big part of that is that it you're buying your uh, you're buying your home yeah, where you want to build your it, biggest exactly, purchase a lot right. of people make is a lot it's of a stress very, involved exactly and it's a very very emotional um, situation you know mm-hmm. and that leads to stress and you know sometimes people aren't always at their best in those situations right, right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure not yeah, yeah. <laughs> so in terms of when you're as a responsibility, you, what is your responsibility? Um, say you're working with the seller, mm-hmm. right? What what are your big the big tasks that you accomplish for that person selling? What what like what are what are your what services right. do you provide during that process? Well, so basically the you know the lawyers get involved you know essentially once once the realtors have put the transaction together, negotiated everything you know once it's in that nice package and you hand it off to us. Um, so as a seller's attorney, I mean, primarily, initially, the seller's attorney drafts the contract, right. um, goes to the buyer's attorney, and, you know, then the buyer deals with it with, with their client. Um, you know, but my primary um, concerns when representing a seller are, uh, you know, timing of closing, um, you know, because as emotional as it can be for a buyer, you know, when you have a seller, you may have someone who's been in this home for 30 years, has raised their family there, um, you know, and it can be as much as, you know, it's a natural part of the process. You list your house for sale, someone puts in an offer, you accept the offer, you know, it sort of flows that, and then um, reality hits and then reality hits. Yes. That, for, Oh for my goodness. I've, you I've know, got to move. Right. Exactly. Um, so, uh, we're going to just take a quick second here. We're going to come back and continue to talk about, um, sellers, uh, and, lawyers and what it all takes to get what a house do sold here. so uh every listen, tune in we'll be back in a minute hi this is veronica daugherty a licensed real estate agent for 12 years with better homes and gardens brand realty Although based in Warwick, I also serve Orange, Sullivan, and Ulster counties. My primary goal is to ensure that your home buying or selling experience is successful, meets your needs and desires, and is stress-free. For more information, visit veronicadaugherty.randrealty.com or call 845-544-5807. Hi, this is Marcia Talbot, a licensed real estate broker of Better Homes and Gardens Rand Realty, specializing in residential, land, and vintage homes. Rest assured that I will make your experience smooth and pleasant and hold your hand through the entire process. As a resident of Orange County since 1976, I know every nook and cranny of this area. Please contact me at marcia.randrealty.com for the best experience in your buying or selling process. Authentic bagpipe music for your event, small or large. Weddings, birthdays, christenings, award ceremonies, anniversaries, funerals, and much more. 
Kevin Grace, a master bagpiper who will add a special touch of class to any special occasion, corporate, or private event. Let your imagination be your guide. Kevin Grace's bagpipes will help make your event the most meaningful and unforgettable. Contact Kevin at 845-782-8689 or visit Facebook at Kevin Grace SR. Hi, this is Dr. David Leach, the superintendent of the Warwick Valley Central School District and host of Your Schools. Listen every Monday at 12 noon to learn what's happening in your schools right here on WTBQ, radio worth listening to. Hi, this is Wild Baby Love. Start your Sunday with me at 6 a.m. and Gospel Tracks. I'll give you the phone number to the faith phone line and the address to the website. All that and much, much more right here on Gospel Tracks with yours truly, Wild Baby Love. WTBQ. I'm gonna make this place your home. Welcome back to The Real Real Estate Show on WTBQ Radio Worth Listening To. I'm your host, Grace Warren, along with my co-host, Christine Koenig. Hello, and hello. special, special, special guest, wow. Janine Waitson, um, attorney at large. <laughs> <laughs> I like it, I like hmm. it. So before we left, we were talking about... Um, as a lawyer, what the responsibilities are to someone who's selling the house. Right. Um, and so we're talking about a big part of that um, that process. It has to do with just making sure that the seller is actually ready to close right. when it comes to closing, get, making sure the house is empty. Right. And, right. Um, the you know. emotional part of selling a home that you've been in for a while. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, part of the issue is that a lot of the – uh, transaction really is driven by things on the buyer's end, the title report, their mortgage application, their appraisal, you know, all those things. So um, a lot of the moving parts happen on the buyer's end. And as that all sort of gels up and comes together, that tends to dictate when the closing is going to happen. Uh, interest rates get locked, you know, commitments are going to expire, that type of thing. Um, and so what I find a lot of times is the seller sort of gets lost in the shuffle. Um you know, and very frequently, especially early in the process. Um, and in, as you know, in the state of New York, early in the process, um, it's very difficult to pinpoint a closing date. Yeah. You know, people will want to sit down and say, well, I need to close December yes. 13th. And we, well, we, we put a date on right. the contract, right. but what they, or not the contract, in when we do it in offer. our purchase right. offer. And then they're like, sometimes they're like going right. by that date. Exactly. Like that is right. the drop right. dead, right. has to happen that day. Right. And so it's, yeah, and so it's and difficult, no, uh, you know, to explain to people that, you know, in legal terms, it's on or about. And that really is what that means, on so, yeah, or explain about. That. You know, right. well, explain that. Explain so that to people, the way what I, on or about The way means. I try to explain it is, and I think it's an analogy that people can relate to, I say, you know, if we have an on or about October 15th date in the contract, it's kind of like the due date for a baby. You know, everyone sort of expects that the baby is going to arrive around October 15th. Will it happen October 15th? Probably not. Could it happen on the 10th? Could it happen on the 20th? Yes. You know, so it's it's generally a, a within that range time frame. Um, you know, and it's a it and that I also I think adds very much to the stress of Absolutely, what's going on because you know you're trying to manage your life. You know, you're trying to hire movers. You're trying to get your kids in and out of school, um, and so you know, like I said, I just think a big part of it is managing people's expectations. You know, so my concerns as a seller's attorney are: what are your plans? Do you have somewhere to go? 
um, you know, if the buyer is ready, you know, will you be homeless? You know, are you looking to buy something? Are we trying to coordinate you selling this property and buying something else? Um, you know, and that, you know, sometimes can be a little difficult it's to tricky. finesse. It's tricky. Yeah. Especially when they're purchasing out of the area. Yes. And you're you know, trying to coordinate that with other professionals. Right. right. And they, mm-hmm. they need the capital from the sale in right. order to make their exactly. new purchase. Yes. Right. Uh, <clears throat> you know, and they may be getting, you know, grief on the other ends of the house they're trying to purchase. Like right. you said, you were going to close this day. And in other exactly. areas, their yes. dates are a little sign bit a more contract specific and that's than ours are. Exactly. Yeah, New Jersey right. is like that. When you when right. you sign a date in New Jersey, that's your date. That's your date. And everyone right. works to that date. Exactly. And or it's earlier. not like that in New York, in mm-hmm. Orange County in particular. I don't know how it works mm-hmm. really in Rockland or Westchester. Well, it's pretty it's much, pretty much similar, yeah. right? right. And, New, and New York City is a completely different story. Right. right. So if you're selling a property in New York, it's yeah. total, totally right. different. Right. Um, right. Well, yeah. and I think that um, one of the things that also makes it different uh, is who's on the other end. Like, I will say yes. that I've seen like bank contracts, like if you're buying a bank owned property, right? It's very different transaction than if you're buying a home Absolutely. from um, another person. Right. They have their own set of rules. They operate maybe in 50 states and they want a process that is is, is the same yes. and it's across the same. all 50 all, states. Right. So just because we do things one way um, and you know, New Jersey does things another way and Pennsylvania does things another way. They have one set of rules everyone has to live with right. and sort of understanding understanding that just because in New York um, or in Orange County, we do inspections first and then go to contract. Mm-hmm. Some, some transactions require that you go to contract first and then do inspections. Right. And so it's, you know, it, it's always interesting trying to have a conversation, say, with the first-time home buyer, and as the agent, you know, I can see who's selling the home most times, um, but I still don't necessarily know what their process is going to be. So I've already explained that, you know, we're going to go ahead, we're going to put an offer in, then we're going to do inspections, then we're going to sign contracts, and all of a sudden the whole process totally is upended. Right. My people are like, you know, you don't know what you're said, talking right, about. Right. I'm like, no, well, right, right. <laughs> Well, the whole, we spoke about that. I, I Last week, um, Veronica and I spoke about the um, REO properties right. and the situations that go along with that. And it's a completely different story than when Janine's representing a yeah. seller. Uh, you know, she's dealing with a, a person uh, right. with an REO. We're dealing with an yeah. entity, a bank or a, yeah. some sort of, um, you know, uh, investment company or something that is, they don't really have you know, an emotional attachment to the house right. like you're dealing right. with with these sellers. I right. have I have a one of those sorts of situations where it's an investment group where they don't even have a lawyer. They're just operating through a title company. And well, you know, and, and that is part of the problem when you're dealing with these nationwide entities who yeah. are, um, you know, who are, are doing these transactions. And New York is unique in the way that we handle real property transactions. And it is a struggle um, sometimes to explain to these you know, national lenders or national sellers who are doing these REO transactions that, you know, this transaction still does have to comply with the laws of the state of New York. Um, You know, we have some taxes and some fees here that are atypical to other parts of the country. Um, And, uh, you know, regardless of who the seller is and who the buyer is, you know, uh, the state transfer tax has to be paid. You know, Mm -hmm. if it's a property within the town of Warwick, the community preservation fund tax has to be paid. Um, and, uh, you know, so like I said, sort of trying to squit, fit a square peg into a round hole sometimes it takes, Mm -hmm. it takes a little bit of finessing. Yeah. So that, you know, once the, um, once the process is in, 
in motion and you know we're on waiting for a buyer and then the mm -hmm. buyer has their title search and right. and they have their appraisal done and now that will come back to you as a as seller, a seller too. yes because right. um i mean you can talk about that like let's for instance talk about appraisals mm -hmm. what happens when the appraisal <laughs> comes happen? in that's a question for you no? lower <laughs> than what the sale price the contract right. sale price is i mean what are right. the things that can be done like how does yes. how do you explain that i mean i know how i try to explain it to my to sellers. sellers right right well and again you know depending on the financing terms for the buyer um a low appraisal can be catastrophic or it can be very upsetting, or it can be an annoyance, you know, and certainly there are certain types of transactions on the purchaser's side that are set up in such a way that the property must appraise at the full contract value. And that has to do with different types of mortgage loans that mm -hmm. are being applied for the amounts of the mortgage loans. Um, you know, again, depending on the, on the terms, um, really on the buyer's end, that really will dictate how a seller has to approach um, a low appraisal. Um, you know, it, it's exceptionally frustrating in representing mm -hmm. sellers when these appraisals come in. And, you know, and I often say to people, you know, in theory, we are functioning in a capitalist society. So by definition, if this is the price that you're willing to accept for something that you're selling, and if this is the price that a purchaser is willing to pay, then by definition, that's the value of it, right? That's, right. you know, that's what we're taught in economics class. But unfortunately, you know, this whole thing is a three-party transaction. So we have right. the appraiser who comes in and, you know, may and say something completely may say something different. else. Exactly. Right. Have you had the situation where you say you have someone who's a cash buyer? Right. Right. So they don't have to go through a bank. Right. Uh, but they probably want to have the house appraised anyway to make sure that sometimes yeah that, sometimes mm -hmm. um so in that sort of a situation let's just say you have a a, a vastly differing um, i personally have not seen that um it's um in my experience it is not typical for a buyer to go to the extent and expense of hiring an independent an independent appraisal i think at that point they're really trusting their realtors a lot to um you know, to, to give them, you know, good direction on what the property is worth. Um, so I really haven't personally, I have not run into that situation. Yeah. I've, I've had the cash buyer buying a house mm -hmm. where I counseled them yeah. that the number they're paying is above. Okay. Right. right. And my suggestion was, listen, you can do Don't what you believe want. me. You right. can do Take what you it, want, yeah. mm -hmm. but we're in a situation where I think it would behoove you right. to, to do this. And right. I knew when we put the offer in, it was high, and I wrote like special, like, you know, buyer reserves the right to okay. do an appraisal because mm -hmm. I just wanted to protect them sure. from the excitement of finding a house they liked versus the yeah. reality that right. this house maybe Yeah, maybe above. we overpaid a little bit, yeah. right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, However, but there, there's a difference, you know, between paying $5,000 more too and paying say $50,000 right, right. more, mm -hmm. you know, in, in a, in a market where it's a um, seller's market, it might be in your best interest to pay that a couple little thousand more, dollars right. more than what right. an appraisal says. But, you know, like, like $50,000 yes. to me at yes. least would That's seem like a lot of right. extra money mm -hmm. to pay. For yeah, I had, right. I had, and not on a cash offer. I had one just recently where it was, uh, I had the buyer and we put the offer in and we felt it was a pretty good offer. I mean, it was a little high, but it was within the realm of, mm -hmm. all right. Um, and the appraisal 
came in forty thousand dollars. Oh my gosh! There was a, there was a big conversation that yes. had to happen there. So right. did they end up buying the house? They did. They but did not at that number. Not right. Well, I think the sellers need to be realistic, too. Yes. And, you know, too, I think it gets to, again, you know, coming back to the emotion of the situation. Um, you know, it's it's not just, you know, facts and figures when it's a when it's your home yeah. that you're selling or when yep. you're buying. You know, there is, um, you know, frequently buyers, if, if their financing is able, you know, is, is such that they're able to do it. You know they're willing to overpay right. because you know they've already pictured their daughter walking down the stairs in the wedding dress and it's you know this is this is the home where they want to be um you know and sellers too i think a lot of times at that point they get to emotionally where they've said okay we're you know we're leaving this place we're you know starting the next phase of our life um and so you know then to be thrown a monkey wrench at that point you know sometimes to say okay we'll you know we'll back down you know a few thousand dollars just to keep things moving right um right yeah so, so to, to wrap up on the seller side and then we'll talk about buyers what what do you find are the biggest reasons that um that a deal falls after contracts are signed well um not so much that a deal falls, but I think the biggest issues that sellers need to be concerned about um, are twofold. And I sort of always say to my sellers, when you're packing and getting ready to move, please keep all of your important legal papers set aside somewhere so that you have access to them. Uh, municipal uh, violation issues, yeah. um, building permits that were applied for and never closed out, you know, That's a sometimes big, a very big issue. Big you know, issue so sometimes all through the county. Sellers need to look back to records that they have. Um, and then uh, almost as frequently is uh, old mortgages that have been, you know, especially people who own their properties during the heyday, the late 90s, early 2000s of the refinance boom. Um, you know, paying off a mortgage, getting a new one, doing a SEMA, you know, multiple, multiple financings on one property um, that were happening at such rapid fire pace mm -hmm. and 100 million title companies popped up all over and they're right. not around anymore. It's not uncommon to get a title report where a buyer or a, a seller says, oh, I have one mortgage to pay off and the title comes in and it shows three open mortgages filed. So very frequently we need to look back to paperwork, you know, and hopefully people have, you know, records of that stuff. So very important as a seller. It is, it is. So we're going to take a short break and we'll be back in just a couple of minutes to continue this conversation. This is Christine Koenig with Better Homes and Garden Rand Realty, and I love real estate. I grew up helping my dad fix up his investment properties. That knowledge and experience has fueled my passion for real estate. Licensed in New York and New Jersey, I focus my business in Orange, Sussex, and Passaic counties. Check out my website at christinekoenig.randrealty.com or listen to The Real Real Estate Show, Mondays at 10 a.m. Hudson United Mortgage, the number one mortgage company, specializes in residential loans in New York and New Jersey, where Mike Vanman Smart is offering first-time homebuyers low down payment options and a mortgage that saves you money and time. Hudson United Mortgage is a broker and correspondent lender licensed in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut 
and specializes in residential loans in all three states. There are low down payments for first-time homebuyers, and they'll offer you a $100 gift card just to look at your offer from another lender. To set up an appointment or for more information, go to HudsonMortgage.com. Hudson United Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 152355, is an NY limited liability company and operates with the following licenses. Licensed correspondent mortgage lender by the NJ Department of Banking and Insurance, a registered mortgage broker with the NYS Department of Financial Services. All NY loans are arranged to third-party lenders, not affiliated with Hudson United Bank. Hi, I'm Carol Rogers. We are excited to announce our partnership with Better Homes and Gardens Brand Realty and to introduce you to the Carol Rogers Real Estate Team. Susan and I listen and strive to make your experience stress-free. And I'm Susan Schneider. Between Carol and myself, we have sold over 200 homes at Warwick Grove alone, and now we also cover the greater Hudson Valley. Visit us at carolrogerssells.com for a complimentary market analysis, and we will answer all of your real estate questions. Hi, this is Taylor. Have your second cup of coffee with me every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Learn the latest in news, gossip, health, entertainment, and of course, all about animals. WTBQ, radio worth listening to. Hi, this is Dan Castricone, host of the Dan Castricone Radio Show, every Thursday from 12 to 1. We'll talk some politics, have guests, current events, always lots of fun. Thursdays, 12 to 1 on WTBQ, radio worth listening to. WTBQ We have some areas of patchy fog around this morning. There's a few spots of light frost, too. We will see sunshine burn off the fog where it is, and temperatures will head up into the mid to upper 60s this afternoon, maybe touch 70. Tonight, clear skies cool once again, heading down to 40. Still a few areas could pick up some light frost, not too many, though. Sunshine for tomorrow, highs near 70. Fair tomorrow night, back into the 40s, and Wednesday, mostly sunny in the lower 70s. I'm meteorologist Tony Salimo from the WTBQ Weather Center. I'm gonna make this place your home. Good morning and welcome back to The Real Real Estate Show. I'm your host, Christine Koenig, uh, hosting today with Grace Warren. Hello. And our special guest today, Janine Waitson. And uh, before we uh, we start our conversation, again, I want to remind everybody that if you have any questions for Janine or for us, the phone number here is 845-651-1110. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. So before we took our break, we were um, kind of wrapping up working with sellers. And one of the topics we had just started talking about was um, on the closing, like what are things that kind of stop the transaction from moving forward? And one of the things that came up was um, some, I guess, municipal search items that uh, we might not be expecting or something that was listed in an MLS one way and then the tax records another way and how a town can hold up um, a transaction until all of those kind of ducks are in a row. Can you talk about that for a little well, bit? Yeah. So from a seller's perspective, um, you know, I think there are uh, several different ways, first of all, that a seller will approach a transaction. Um, you know, and I have many sellers who say to me, as is, it's as is, it's as is, everything is as is. It was which, like this you know, when I bought it. Well, you know, so as is basically means, okay, the buyer has seen the home, you know, maybe they've done an inspection, maybe they haven't, you know, may, many buyers just say, no, I'm, you know, I'm comfortable enough with what I've seen, everything as is, you know, whatever systems are there, they're functioning, they're not, you know, the buyer's willing to move forward. Well, you know, secondary issue is that, um, you know, typically contracts are always subject to the property being free and clear of municipal code violations. And so part of 
the searches that are done on behalf of the buyer, uh, the title company will do a search with the building department to see, is there a certificate of occupancy for the house? Or does the house, is it so old that it predates that requirement? In which case, that's perfectly fine. Um, have there been any improvements made to the property that would have required uh, the filing of a building permit and final inspection to a CO? Like a pool. Like a pool, a fence, a, a shed. shed, a deck, you know, those Finished types basement. of things. Finished basement is a huge one, um, obviously. So, um, you know, and as time has gone by and in recent years, you know, what I'm saying to sellers is, you know, the building inspectors, you know, obviously they're not, they're no dummies, you know, they're, nope. they, and they're very good at what they do. Um, you know, but they, uh, you know, and they are tasked with, you know, and, and, you know, everybody sort of likes to paint them out as the bad guy, but you know, they're if, doing their job, they're doing their job. And the reality is that building codes exist for a reason, you know, we're all familiar with the you know, triangle shirtwaist company. I mean, you know, building codes exist, you know, to protect people's lives, to protect property. So, you know, the reality is, um, you know, they really, they are doing yeoman's work, you know, trying to make sure that properties as they're transferred are safe. Um, you know, so quite frequently, you know, what we find is someone who's been in a home for 20, 30 years, and, you know, they may have, you know, gone a little cowboy and done some work themselves, you know, uh, it's a funny way it happens, it. you know, <laughs> um, you know, and, uh, you know, in that case, you know, if you are dealing with a seller and I know many realtors yourselves included will, you know, always say to a seller, you know, if you don't go to the building inspector yourself during taking a listing, you know, it's always recommended to a seller, you know, just take a trip out there. Do you have any violations? Is there anything um, open that right. wasn't closed out properly? Exactly. You know, and so as part of that inspection process, when that request is put in, many building inspectors uh, minimally will go to the property. They will come and either sort of do a drive-by or most of them will at least do an exterior inspection. Um, there are a few municipalities that I'm aware of right now that do go inside uh, Village of Florida is one. Village of Washingtonville. Minisink, too. Do they? I'm not I familiar so. with that. Yeah. So in that case, you know, the seller has to actually make an Walt appointment Hill. to have the building inspector in. Is that right? Yep. Walt Hill will go um, in. So, um, you know, obviously, if that's the case, you know, they're certainly seeing a lot more. Um, you know, but even coming to the outside of the house, you know, they can they can get a look at what's there. Are there any exterior improvements that have been made? Uh, and then they go back and obviously check against their file to see what they have on record. And if they go to the house and see that there's a pool there and check the file and, gee, there's no application for a pool. And they've also been known to go on Google. Well, exactly. And in addition to that, yes, I mean, they, you know, so much of what you do now is online. Your listings are all online. You know, frequently sellers will, um, you know, if, if a seller has done a for sale by owner prior to listing with a realtor, you know, all those sites that are out there, Zillow, you know, all that kind of stuff, you know, and yes, the building inspectors are checking that. So, you know, if you're advertising, um, you know, a four bedroom home with a finished basement um, and are marketing that marketing it that way and a buyer has put in an offer based on that description, um, if the building inspector's records show that you only have a legal three-bedroom home, um, significantly that the septic capacity at the home is only sufficient to handle three bedrooms versus four, and if the building inspector has no record of a finished basement, then yeah, a seller is going to have an issue there. And uh, you and know. sometimes the you know you've finished the basement and it's beautiful and. 
but it, ha- it doesn't meet the code uh, right. requirements. Right, right. Um, no. Yeah, ingress and egress is a major issue, um, you know, and frequently um, in, you know, and I know we're not there in our conversation yet, but even representing buyers, you know, I frequently will have buyers who will come in and say, well, we know the basement's finished. We know there's, there's, there's no CO and, you know, we're okay with it. We're okay moving forward, you know. So that's a very important conversation for an attorney to have with their client who's buying, you know, to understand, well, mm-hmm. do you, you know, what you're, what what you're, buying. you're right. You're buying right. something, you know, a, that is not legally finished. Um, you know, you may own this property for five years or 10 years, you know, understand that your buyer down the road may not be um, as accepting of this as you are. But the thing is now, if there's a violation on the property, Many times the municipality wants that remedied when the Correct. new buyer right. buys right, right. the property. So, right. and so right, and there are well, cir- someone's you know, going to have to right. fix it. And there are circumstances where those things can sort of slip unnoticed by the building inspector. You know, if they if you know if they don't have any means of finding that, if they if it's not the type of municipality where they go into the property to look around, you know, they may have no no way of, of finding that out. You what? know, and the other issue too is that I often say to my buyers is, um, you know, think about insurance issues. Um, when you buy a homeowner's insurance policy, if you have some finished space, namely a finished basement that's in there that is not legally finished, you know, and heaven forbid there's some sort of fire down there, someone's injured, someone, you know, or you know, very frequently your homeowner's insurance company will try to deny coverage, you know, that you're not covered for illegally finished space. All right. So we have a caller calling in. Hello. Hi. Yes. Good morning. I just had a question. In Orange County, are you seeing as many foreclosures or zombie properties bank owned or not? And are there many um, either uh, short sales or deed in lieu foreclosures and what they are exactly, what that process is? All right. Well, I can say in terms of foreclosures and the number um, of the zombie properties, so it's very hard to know how many zombie properties are out there. You can kind of get a sense in your own neighborhoods because you know who's 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 pulling in, who's pulling out. Right. Um, you know, what houses haven't had a light on in a year, whose grass is overgrown, things like that are, are giveaways. But in terms of published numbers of zombie properties, um, that's that's not an easy number to to kind of grab hold of. No. Um, in terms of short sales, I would say that in Orange County, I see less of them. They've definitely gone down. We did some numbers mm-hmm. last week, and they've gone down quite a few. The foreclosures seem to still be up there, yeah. but um, I think they're going down as well. Yeah. But um, in terms of what was the second part of your question? I'm sorry. The second part of it was, uh, are there many like short sales versus deed in lieu of foreclosures? And what is that process versus the short sale process? Well, so a deed in lieu of foreclosure is a process whereby a homeowner uh, works out um, uh, with their lender um, in lieu of going to foreclosure or attempting to do a short sale. You know, the deed in lieu is just basically where the homeowner says to the bank, here, take the property back, I'm, I'm deeding it back to you, and there's either full forgiveness of the debt or there can be some sort of, um, you know, note back. It's a negotiation um, between a property owner and their lender, which doesn't involve any, you know, there's no buyer involved, there's no transfer of title. Um, a short sale is a situation in which a third buyer, a third party buyer comes along and a foreclosure action may have been commenced against a property owner um, due to non-payment. Um, 
in a situation where a homeowner, um, either because of the market conditions, you know, they bought at such a time, um, and you know, the market has changed that they're essentially underwater in the property, that the um, outstanding balances on their mortgage or mortgages exceed what the current fair market value of the property is. Um, so in that case, um, another option is to attempt to negotiate a short sale, which is a situation where a buyer will come in and offer fair market value price for the home, which typically is not enough to satisfy the full outstanding liens on the mortgages. And so then that really essentially is a three-party transaction in that case, because you're dealing with a buyer and a seller. Um, and the seller technically still owns the property and is signing contract and deeding property away and, you know, obviously has some say in the process. But really, ultimately, whether that transaction comes to fruition um, is determined by the seller's lender or lenders and whether they are willing to accept a certain percentage on the dollar, you know, based on what they're owed. And the same thing with the deed in lieu. It's not so cut and dry because if there are other, um, there are other people that are in, uh, other lenders involved mm -hmm. in the yes. situation. I there mean, are other liens. Right. That's what the word I'm looking at. Yes, frequently. It, it doesn't work out. Like, yeah. you can't just do the deed in lieu. Right. Frequently, when we we see uh, deed in lieu situations and short sales, um, yes, it is primarily because there is more than one mortgage holder against the property. Um, so it's a, you know, a negotiation between mortgage lien one, mortgage lien two. You know, this is what you're owed. These are what the statutory expenses are that have to be paid in connection with the transaction. And then at the end of the day, here's the pot of money that's left. And this is how we're going to split it up. And mortgage lien holder one and mortgage lien holder two have to agree to that. Uh -huh. um, and if they don't, then, you know, the wheels it's sort not, of fall off the cart. No, no deed in lieu. Exactly. No. All right. So we have to go to break right now and we'll be back in a short bit. Thanks. This is Grace Warren, a licensed real estate agent for Better Homes and Gardens Rand Realty for more than 17 years. And I'm ready to hear your wants and needs, and then I will help you fulfill your goals. As a full-time residential specialist and longtime resident of Orange County, I know the Orange County market very well, and whether you're a buyer or seller, my priority is your satisfaction. For more information, please visit my website, gracewarren.randrealty.com, and let's get together. The real estate market is hot. If you have been thinking of selling your home, now is the time. At Better Homes and Gardens Rand Realty, we pride ourselves on delivering an exceptional client experience. Our professional agents will provide you with the market data you need to price your home properly and follow through with the best marketing to get your home sold. Call our office today at 845-986-4848. Chris Steritz has been an award-winning associate broker for more than 28 years. Chris's vast knowledge of Orange County ensures that your goals will be met whether you are a buyer or a seller, and she will help with your home inspection, mortgage, and appraisal process. She's also a specialist in corporate relocation, and the home inventory on her website is always current. For more information or to contact Chris, visit chrissteritz.randrealty.com. This is attorney Bob Krahulik of the law firm Beatty & Krahulik. The Lawyer Guy here on WTBQ Radio. Tune in every Tuesday at 12 noon for the latest legal advice and tips. We're taking calls and giving answers to all your legal questions right here on WTBQ. 
This is Sister Anna. Listen to The Garden of the Child, a story discussion time with students. Story develops listening skills and imagination. Saturdays at 11.10 a.m. on WTBQ. WTBQ. I'm gonna make this place your morning and welcome back to the real real estate show i'm your host christine koenig here good. today with myself grace warren good morning how are you and we're with janine wadeson good morning so uh before we uh dive right back into working with a lawyer and we're going to be focusing on the buyer side we do of course want to take a minute to thank our sponsors uh without them we wouldn't be here so um, thank you thank you guys i'd like to make a call out to chris starrett's She's um, great. And uh, uh, out of the Warwick office of Better Homes and Gardens. And uh, Rachel Heiss, the manager at Better Homes and Gardens, who's... Uh, our commander-in-chief yes. at our office. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, Mike Van Mansart, our mortgage uh, guru. And uh, last but definitely not least, even Carol. Uh, <laughs> Carol Rogers. Uh, and Susan and Schneider. Susan. Yeah, they're, they're great. Funny, very fun people to be around. All of them are. And great to work with. Yes, they're part of our family. And so. that's really what it is at our office, right? A family. I mean, yesterday was proof of that at our Apple Fest celebration. Yeah. You know, the behind the scenes was, was fun. <laughs> As always. <laughs> so, so we'll get back to um, with Janine here about uh, representing buyers now yes. in a real estate mm -hmm. transaction. Okay. Um, well, yeah, so buyers, um, you know, they have a lot going on in a real estate transaction. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously it starts with the property itself. Um, you know, working with realtors, you know, finding the right property, then getting through an inspection, you know, is the property in good condition? Are there issues I need to deal with? Um, you know, then when we move into contract, um, you know, there are, as I said earlier, a lot of moving parts on the buyer's end. So we've got, um, you know, contract issues, we've got title issues, lender issues, survey issues, um, and all of those kind of have to come together and, and mesh, um, you know, before we can say to a buyer, okay, you know, everything is good, we're comfortable here, we seem to have enough knowledge and, you know, can, can move forward. Um, so as the lawyer, what is, <laughs> this radio show is get real with the real estate show. Yeah. <laughs> so what is your least favorite part of, of that transaction, like coordinating um, on the buyer side? My least favorite part of the transaction when I'm representing a buyer, <clears throat> quite frankly, is um, having to sometimes be the voice of reason to my clients <laughs> when they have been promised up and down by various people throughout the process they, that they can close on a certain day or within a certain time frame. Um, you know, um, especially early in the transaction, they'll come to sit with me to sign a contract and it's just, we're in the infancy stages of a, a deal. Um, and they'll say to me, well, you know, we met with this mortgage person and they told me that they can get this done. We can be sitting at a closing in 30 days. And, and they give you a day. Yes. You know, and, and they took that day mm, off. Right. Yes. And they booked the they, movers and, and they're the babysitter's ready to coming go. that exactly. day you and know, the dog right. is in a kennel and right. they're ready to go on that yeah. day. You know, now keeping in mind that frequently at this point, this is generally the first time that I have met my client face to face. You know, we probably have talked a few times over the phone, but you know, when a contract comes in, you know, that's when I sit down with my, with my client really for the first time. 
Um, at that point, they already have had sometimes a very, very long-term relationship with their realtors. I know right. you guys work with people for years sometimes, sometimes. you know, before <laughs> yes. you can find them a house. You know, they've worked with their mortgage person, um, you know, who was always very, oh, yes, we can do this, we can do this, you know. And, um, you know, you sort of hate to be the bad guy and say, it's not going to happen, you know, because nobody wants to hear that. Right. You know, nobody wants to be told that, you know, this picture. We always leave that thing. part up to you. Well, yes. <laughs> we don't um, want to be the bad guy. Right, I'm just right. kidding. Um, <laughs> you know, so that, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, again, and I'll just sort of say, OK, we'll just understand. We, you know, we have to do title that can take, you know, three weeks. Um, the municipal search with the town can take sometimes longer. You know, the title company has to put in a request to the town. And then if it requires an inspection of the property or, you know, the seller has to sign an affidavit to just to just deliver to the set, you know, these are all delays. Um, and then, you know, that's assuming the municipal report comes back and it's fine. You know, very frequently it comes back and it's not fine. And now we're looking at another two weeks of, you know, seller needed repairs or remedies on, on violations. Um, you know, and sometimes... You know, from our perspective, when I list a property, I will go to the municipality yes. and I'll mm -hmm. see if there's any violations. Right. And there may not be any violations. Right. And then suddenly at the last, right. you know, three days before the closing, they will come in and they do this municipal right. um, review well, and they they find something. Yes, exactly. I didn't so know there, it was right, there. There can be nothing on record. You know, and really, if you go to the municipality prior to taking list, the only thing that you're really going to see is... Is there an open building permit? Did they take out a building permit to put in a wood stove and then no, nobody ever remembered to close it out with a CO? Um, and those are obviously things that need to be resolved and it's good to do that. But, you know, again, until the, until the building inspector gets that request for the search from the title company, that's what triggers them going to the property you know, doing research, whatever they're going to find out. And right. if those issues come up at that point, there's really no way that you could have, you know, right. I, th I think that, that there's a, a little like there are some things that we can do as agents as well to be a little proactive and help that situation. Like if I'm at a house and I'm taking a listing and I see that there's a, a newer shed on the property, and I'm going right. to say, hey, by the way, was, did you get a permit for this? What right. do you mean? I need a permit for a shed. I'm like, yeah. yeah. So right. please right. go and take care of that exactly. now. It's not a big right. deal. It's more mm -hmm. of a form you're filling out than, right. a, than they're not, you know, they want to make sure that you're not, didn't put the shed on someone else's property. Right. There's some basic things. So right. And there's mm -hmm. a fee involved too. Yes, I mean, and there's right. a fee. They want their, their fee, of course. Same thing right. with pools or fences. Like I always right. just ask, did you have this permitted? You know, well, pools are always this to me the, the scary thing when there's no yes absolutely yeah there isn't a, a permit or there isn't a CFO for that that always frightens me because that's could be dangerous yeah very yeah big liability issue there mm -hmm. so, right so those right. are some of the things that can come up um, and then you know um, there's appraisal issues that the seller the buyer right. has to deal with like we right. were talking about before mm -hmm. now how do you counsel a um, a buyer when there's right. an appraisal Well, issue. so when I represent a buyer... It's different um, than when you represent a seller. Yes, absolutely. You know, and I, I tend to put language in the contracts for my buyers that say that the buyer's obligation to proceed with the purchase is subject to the property appraising. Um, you know, because there can be a situation in which, you know, let's say someone's buying a house for $100,000. Now, if they need to borrow... $90,000 to do that transaction, you know, then the appraisal is going to affect their uh, ability to qualify for a mortgage loan. Same so, thing with like sellers concessions and building right, those in there. Right. 
you know, but if a person is buying a home for $100,000 and only needs to get a mortgage for $50,000, if the appraisal comes in and says, okay, it's worth 80, you know, that mortgage bank is still going to say, oh, we don't care if it's only worth 80. You only want 50 from us. We're protected. You know, we're okay. Um, you know, but then the buyer, you know, as you said earlier, you know, the, the buyer then will sort of may say, well, wait a second, maybe, maybe I'm paying too much here. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So, um, again, I think the appraisal issues are, are really mainly dependent on financial circumstances for the buyer and, you know, what are their mortgage situation. I will say from my perspective, when I'm working, um, with a buyer and we're going through a transaction one of the questions I get a lot that is I always have to defer to the lawyer um, has to do with closing costs. Mm. Can you talk a little bit about that process and how you prepare your your buyers for what they need to bring to the table and help right. them through? Because the number always is higher than what so they think it's higher be. than what right. they think than it's going think to be. So, and, right. and a lot of that mm-hmm. has to do with the tax reimbursement. But can can you talk a little bit about yeah, about well, how it, how into the, far into that process before you have some sort of accurate ballpark number for them? So the um, there are some costs that are fixed at flat fees. There are some that are uh, easily determined based on the purchase price of the property, the loan amount of the property, um, and then there are fees that really depend on who your mortgage lender is, you know, so, you know, I can say to a client, well, you're looking at, you know, for instance, in in Orange County, if you have to, if you're buying a property, you have to record your deed with the clerk, you have to record the mortgage with the clerk, those are flat fees, you know, $200 to do this $150 to do that. Um, Title insurance charges are based on the amount of insurance that you're buying, which is dictated by your purchase price and your mortgage loan. So we can do a calculation on that. The New York State mortgage tax is based on the amount of your mortgage loan. Um, As a buyer in the town of Warwick, the Community Preservation Fund tax is based on the purchase price. So those are some, you know, relatively fixed numbers that we can discuss, you know, once we have, you know, a, a good handle. Um, you know, and then the other fees, you know, and then really at that point, then as you lob it to the lawyer, I lob it then to the mortgage lender and say, talk to your lender about what their fees are in connection with your loan. Yeah. One of the biggest fees is usually the, um, their taxes and what they're going to have to escrow. And that, you know, I don't think a lot of buyers realize are prepared for that, right. how much it is. And usually, yeah. from my experience, the, the lender will, you know, give you a worst case scenario, like yeah. 12 months. A ball, yeah, I mean, the ballpark, you know, really, you should bank on 12 months, because the date of closing, you are doing a per diem reimbursement to the sellers for taxes that they have prepaid. Right. And then also, at that point, you are establishing, in most cases, an escrow account. Uh, with your lender to pay the taxes going forward. So the lender is going to want a sum set aside. You also have to, you know, reimburse the seller. So a good rule of thumb is, yeah, plan on uh, a full year's worth of taxes. All right. Can you believe another hour has gone by? Yeah, this is great, Janine. Wow. Maybe we'll have you. to come on another time. I uh, would love to. It, it was, was so. Great. It was fun. Yeah. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Enjoy and your Monday. We shall return next week. Yeah. Listen in. Thank you. Bye bye.